Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Coach Chiesa coming up here momentarily. We'll get his thoughts on the Utah Jazz. We'll see if Coach is watching the tournament, too. His thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Coaches, uh, usually when you talk to NBA guys, when they're in the midst of everything, they're pretty dialed in on the NBA. But Coach is such a basketball nut. I wonder how much he's consuming, <laughs> consuming of the tournament. Something tells me that he would he would take all the basketball he could get. Yep. No, uh, no doubt about it. But we'll ask him about the Jazz. They're taking on the Bulls tonight. Uh, Tip-off coming your way at 7 o'clock pregame will begin at 6. Uh, Tim Lacombe uh, going to be in, and uh, we'll get you set for uh, Chicago. They're an interesting opponent, Gordon. Not uh, not the best team in the league, per se, but Zach Levine is certainly a fun watch. Yeah, he is, for sure. And uh, Chicago is making baby steps uh, progress and uh, better than they were with Jim Boylan. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, couldn't do much worse. <laughs> Thanks, John Lennon. Uh, but Billy Donovan. You know that song. You know the song. Everything is getting better, better all the time. Paul McCartney said he he wrote that lyric, and John Lennon added in, couldn't get much worse or something. The Beatles are the most overrated band in history. I agree with you, Gordon. Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, he's of course our good friend, the coach Gordy Chiesa, with us on the Big Show. What's up, Coach? Guys, I'm doing well. Thank you. See now, here's a band, Gordon. Put your red bone on. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. 1974, Jake, in case you're wondering. Yeah, but the Beatles don't, are don't give them the too much credit because these guys hate the Beatles. We don't hate the Beatles. We just think they're overrated. Uh, like you do, right, Gordon. No, uh, that was incredible. The Beatles are the most overrated band in history. No. Anywho, no. Goach, you don't need to, to step into to that argument. How are you? Well, How yeah, you but he's got, but Gordy's got a certain perspective, you know? No, I think they were great songwriters. But there's other bands comparable. I used to love The Doors. Yeah. See, there you go, Coach. This is why we get along so well. Love The Doors. <laughs> love The Doors. Um, hey, Coach, quick question before we dive into the NBA. You uh, you taking in much of the tournament? Any thoughts on what we're seeing in the NCAAs? Oh, it's fantastic. And I'm asked this question already about five times today concerning my infamous um, pool that I'm in. And I'll, I'll quote, if you don't mind, uh, Charles Dickens uh, from The Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> My bracket. Remember, yeah, hey, Gordo, relate. remember when Coach's wife won our, our tournament bracket at the, at the station? Was that two years in a row, Coach, or it just one? It was two one? years in a row, and, and then I think you guys banned her. So she won two straight years back in 2000, I mean, yes, right, 2005 and 2006. And I remember, right, you guys, meaning both you guys, banned her from the pool. <laughs> well, she was too Most good. impressive. Too good. Uh, i got to ask you, uh, uh, before we get going on the jazz, Gordy, about the passing of Elgin Baylor, uh, you, you obviously watched him play. And uh, wanted to get your thoughts on on. Could you explain to our listeners who never saw him play what what he was? 
Well, first thing, I saw him play live. I first started seeing Elder Bella play in 1962 when the L.A. Lakers, who moved from Minneapolis for the 1960-61 season, they would play doubleheaders, it's hard to believe now, in Madison Square Garden. So there'd be four teams in the garden on doubleheaders, a lot of times on, uh, on a Saturday afternoon. So I saw him play, I'd say, uh, at least uh, 15 times. All right, so Elgin Bella was the first person that we ever saw was absolutely incredible um, airborne. Uh, I, call him, I called him uh, elevator hops, the way he played. So he was, before Michael Jordan, he was Michael Jordan. Before Dominique Wilkins, he was Dominique Wilkins. Before there was Dr. J, he was Dr. J. That's how talented he was. I was asked this question earlier. Is there anybody that plays right now that's somewhat comparable? And again, somewhat comparable athletically and body-wise. The only guy I could think of, because remember, Elgin Bell is only 6'5". So LeBron's, you know, 6'8 and a half. The, uh, this guy was only 6'5", Elgin Bell, was is, uh, Zions Williamson as far as his body and his hops. Quickly about it is that... Um, there's only two players in NBA history that ever averaged for their career 27 points and 13 rebounds per game for their whole lifetime. They are one, seven foot one, Will Chamberlain, and two, six five, Elgin Bella. Wow. So he's Where an incredible is? athlete. Uh, he, had his, uh, he had his incredible um, hang time. Jake, on his jump shot, he get up in the air so high, and everyone tried to uh, contest his shot, he was still rising up to look at the rim and shoot it. And he was some rebounder in traffic. And uh, he died today, unfortunately, age 86. I had the pleasure to uh, know him peripheral through uh, Hot Rod Hundley, who was a teammate of his, both in Minneapolis and, all with, and also with the L.A. Lakers. Didn't Hot Rod always tell the story how he and Elgin combined for 64 points and Hot Rod had two of them? That is correct. You saw that story forever. And, and speaking of 61 points, Elgin Bell has the record for the NBA Finals for the most points ever in the final series back in 1962. I remember the game. He scored 61 against the Celtics in a losing course. Amazing. Coach Chiesa is with us here on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coach, let's uh, talk a little bit about the Jazz. And, uh, of course, they've been up and down recently. Um, Friday's game against Toronto certainly played better uh, than they did in a couple of the previous efforts. Very much also. And Donovan Mitchell was absolutely clutch for them with those inc- uh, three-point shots. And just generally speaking, it was a gritty win because the Raptors, to their credit, they've lost their eight games in a row presently, but the Raptors bite, fought, and, and clawed to try to get a win, and the Jazz took the ball to the foul line with those the discrepancy in a positive way for the Jazz. They attempt 41 three throws, while the uh, Raptors only take uh, 14, and that was the difference. So the Jazz defense is much more aggressive and more lively, and Donovan Mitchell refused to lose, and also his sidekick, Joe Ingles. So, Gordy, will you solve this puzzle for us? Because we we think about these things. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has the capability of of, of going one on one when he wants to create uh, for the Jazz. How do you find the right line between him doing that and still sharing the ball with his teammates? Well, there's two things you can do that. 
was right, is that his teammates have to look at Donovan also. So if Donovan has the ball, we call on a dance dribble, and he sees the defensive uh, guardian in no stance where he's fake guarding uh, Donovan, that's a great time to break the play slash formation and just solo drive to the basket to make a play. And the second part of it is that against good defense, you don't want to force things. What you want to do is swing the ball and try to catch the ball on the second side of the floor by, by already moving the defense and then dribble strike, which Donovan is. He can go over the top of the three-point shot. He has the middle game, and he has, he has really a, a very underrated, now improved um, a rim game where he penetrates not as deep, but he shoots the ball nice and soft on the rim and gets some English. That's what if, in his maturation, that's what he's doing better this season. Coach, um, defense has been a bit up and down for this team, and I, I think, uh, you know, when they guard, they play really well, and it's it's key to so much of what they do. Um, my question for you is, is there any connective tissue uh, when the Jazz play well on defense and when they don't? When they're, when they're struggling, what is usually going on? They're getting beat off the ball consistently as far as the non-ball containment. So that's most teams where if your defense breaks down at the point of attack, you're on defense, is that that's when you're now rotating out of weakness versus what? Ball containing, and now your defense is now much more connected. So when the Jazz play a solid on-ball defense, they're, they're much better. It puts so much stress on Rudy to make plays in the lane to either alter shots or block shots or to force um, a quick shots. So the Jazz, when they get in trouble, just philosophically. So most of most times, it's a half of Donovan Mitchell, half of Mike Conley, a, a third of Joe Ingles as far as that, a third of uh, Boyan Bondanovich. They get a huge break in a good way with Royce O'Neal, a very good uh, defensive player. And once they get back, Ersan uh, Elisovia, he also, for a big guy, has really good ball containment values. So when the Jazz contain the ball, the chances of the winning are much greater. Gordy, Ben Simmons has been saying that he's a he's the best defensive player in the league because he can guard one through five. And uh, Rudy was asked about that, and he said he doesn't view it that way. He views it more his impact, overall impact at the defensive end on his own team and on the opposing team. Well, your, thought, your thought, your oh, thoughts. I have, I have a lot of thoughts, and I the first thing also. Let's not forget. Remember, Donovan Mitchell torched Ben Simmons. They gave him Philadelphia when Joel torched the Jazz, I might add. Ben Simmons had a hard time guarding Donovan Mitchell off the dribble. And when I, when I studied that game, I said to myself, really, Ben Simmons thinks he's a, such an elite defender. Donovan is going by him, literally, I don't mean uh, once in a while, I mean consistently. So that's the first thing as far as uh, the visual of it. Ben Simmons is a, is a talented uh, player defensively, but he doesn't impact what Rudy does. What Rudy does for his team is that he alters shots and he blocks shots, and he also he's a very vastly underrated pick-and-roll defender. So I would lean towards Rudy number one. Also, I'd lean towards also uh, Kawhi Leonard and uh, Joel Embiid. You can make a narrative, Gordon, that Joel Embiid is just as impactful defensively, if not more, than his teammate, Ben Simmons, as far as Philadelphia on defensive end. Coach, the Jazz have the Bulls tonight. What are your thoughts on this uh, Bulls roster and specifically Zach Levine? First, difficult game. The, uh, the Bulls are trending. 
They've gotten better since the All-Star break, and they've done a good job as far as playing. Now, their home record is really de- uh, de- de- uh, really deceptive because they're only 9-14 at home at the United Center. So they haven't protected a home court in the beginning of this season. But since the, last, uh, since the All-Star break, as I alluded to, is that they have played much better. Zach Levine is absolutely a major talent. So, uh, Jake, the segue back to uh, with uh, a ball containment, Zach is going to take uh, the Jazz players off the dribble. He's averaging 28.3 points per game, but including that, he's shooting 52% from the field. He's one of the best guys in the NBA as far as shooting percentage because he absolutely has a has uh, some serious hops to the basket, create his own shot, shooting 43.8% from threes. So in the Jazz defensively, whether they play Royce O'Neal him to start against him, they've got to do a, a, a collective job of ball containing. The last point is this. They're getting a really good play out of Thaddeus Young, who the Bulls have an interesting dilemma between now and the trading deadline on Thursday, where he's a, uh, he, his contract next year is guaranteed for $6 million, uh, at a certain date next summer, next season is guaranteed for the rest of it would be 14.4. So every, every good team that's a playoff team definitely wants Thaddeus Chung in their team who's playing very well for them. He's an all-around player. So, again, Boyan Bondanovich will have his hands full, of try, and so will George Niang, of trying to slow down a, a Thaddeus Young, who's really a glue player. Gordon, he's shooting right now 59.6% from the field. So the two guys I mentioned are shooting above 50%. So the Bulls have gotten better, and so the Jazz have to be ready to play. Last point is this. It's the, it's the last game of a five-game road trip. So as, an, as a player, you've got to be, be in the present where your body and mind says Chicago, not your mind says Salt Lake City too early uh, tonight. So, Gordy, I have a question for you that if I suppose if you have the absolute answer to it, uh, it would be a, worth a whole lot of money. But explain to me why shooters sometimes get hot and sometimes they go so cold. We've seen instances where Boyan Bogdanovich couldn't hit the broadside of barn. And we've seen uh, times when, say, Joe Ingles has been really hot. What what makes the difference in that? Is that just a part of being human, or is there more to it than that? Oh, there's more to it. Is that everybody's playing with the connectivity offensively, that your teammates become your floor mates during the game, and that they know that you have it rolling, and that they are trying to find you in your rhythm, both footwork rhythm and also in uh, fluidity. And so think about it. When Joe has that rainbow uh, corner three, most times it's Michael Conley or Donovan Mitchell where they drive and kick to the corner, and Joe catches that ball in rhythm. So it's almost like perfect uh, on-time, on-target passes. The next part of it is that from the, the shooter's point of view is that the basket seems so big that uh, Joe Ingles-type people and Boyan Bondanovich, when they really feel that ball and they look at that, they look at the rim, they only see the ball going in. So it's a it's a feeling you get by your teammates they're being connected that the passer and the shooter have the exact same feeling in the game. Coach Gordon asked you about the late great Elgin Baylor earlier in the conversation. I understand you have a list for us today inspired by him. Yes, I do. This list today 
It only involves, Jake, uh, 12 um, names on it. Okay. It's the all-time career leaders in most regular season 40-point games. 40-point games, all-time list. Donovan Mitchell the other day against the Wizards on the road scored 42 points. So Donovan right now, for the listeners right now, in 1280 of the zone, is that Donovan has six career 40-point games. All the Jazz fans, before I give you the list, the Jazz leader is Carl Malone, who has 44 40-point games in his career. So Donovan's got six and calls the leader with the Jazz at 44. Here we go. Here's the all-time leaders. Tied for number 11, Jerry West and LeBron James with 66 40-point games. Number 10, Jake, his nickname was the Iceman with 68 40-point games, George Gervin. Number 8, tied with 70 40-point games, Rick Barry and Kareem abdul Jabbar, number seven, with 77 40-point games, the big O, Oscar Robinson. Number six all-time, with 79 40-point games, Gordon, his nickname was The Answer, Allen Iverson. All right, number five, unfortunately we lost him today as far as a basketball icon, with 88 40-point games, Elgin Baylor. Number four, still active. The Jazz are going to try to slow him down Wednesday night at 8 o'clock at the Vivint Smart Arena with 140-point games, James Harden. Number three, with 122 40-point games, the late great Kobe Bryant. Number two, with 173 40-point games, Michael Jordan, and number one by far, it's not even close, with 271 40-point games, Wilt Chamberlain. That's my, think about it. We're talking not 20, 30-point, which is commendable. We're talking 40-point games. Wilt did it 271 times. You, wow. know who I'm, you know who I'm surprised isn't on that list, Gordy? Who would you guess that I would guess uh, to be on that list who isn't? Jerry West. I was going to say Larry Bird. Larry Bird, okay. Is that because he had so many talented players around him? Correct. That's exactly right. It's part of it with the big three, meaning uh, Robert Parrish and uh, also with Kevin McHale. So it's hard yeah. to get you know that many games of 40. But, but with Elgin Bella, with 88, he played with Jerry West. When, and, the, and both those guys often would get 40 points in a game. Also, let's not forget, this year, Jordan Clarkson at the Philadelphia 76s and that Jazz good win at home, Jordan got 40 points in a game, meaning Jordan Clarkson. Hmm. It's hard to do. It's really commendable. That, that's and, a uh, great list, man. That, those are some great names on that list. So think about it. James Harden, 140-point games in his career. Wow. So he might – he won't catch Wilt – he definitely catch Michael Jordan to be the second all-time. Well, Coach, thank you, as always, for jumping on with us. We always look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Stay well and peace out. Back at you, Coach. Our friend, Coach Gordy Chiesa, with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, uh, Gordon, I'm glad you asked him about it off the top. Really great person to talk about today with the passing of Elgin Baylor. Yeah, I figured Gordy would be. I remember watching Elgin play, but Gordy, 
uh, I would figure would have watched uh, a lot more uh, from his perspective. So he was, man. Elgin Baylor was something special. He was, he was these other great high flyers before, you know, before that became a little more emphasized. You uh, you covered a couple of those Laker teams, didn't you? <laughs> no, no, but I did see them no, play. No. So. You're not you're not searching for an old Elgin Baylor column as we speak. No, no, dang it, no. Those jokes will never get old. They probably should, though. Everybody out there is saying that's a bad joke. All right, uh, Gordo, we'll get to more coming up right around the corner. We'll keep people up to date what's going on in the NCAA tournament. Somehow uh, the, the Gonzaga game is over, and I know that because now Ellen is up on my television screen. <laughs> I caught Austin watching Star Wars because he had TNT up earlier today, and I get Ellen. How about that? Jake, I wanted to ask you real quick. Did you see uh, Seth and... Uh and uh, and the other guys, uh, Clark, doing that dance. No, were they dancing? On, yeah, did you see that, Austin? Austin is uh, on the telephone there, Gordon. They they were dancing. Yeah, they were dancing. Anything that, specific, the... like uh, like a jig or uh, a was... shuffle? I was surprised that Wally wasn't a little better than he was, but uh, yeah, it was just this corny little bit they were doing, and Greg Gumbel's over there just shaking his head the whole time. It, it was, it was. I was trying to decide whether I liked it or not. I mean, it's kind of, kind of fun to throw a little fun into the whole thing, but not great dancers, no. Well, I'm sorry they didn't meet your approval, Gordon. I know that's a <laughs> standard that most people are trying to meet. Although I was impressed that uh, that uh, Seth could moonwalk, he did. Uh, he did, he do did that. demonstrate that talent. I see. All right. Well, I have more big show coming up next. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res. Dirt, dust, standard, and allergens are no match for Zero Res carpet cleaning. Want the contaminants gone? Call Zero Res right now and get just $33 per room cleaned. Uh, Zero Res clean. Minimums do apply. Call Zero Res today, 801-288-9376. That's a good song. Way to hit the post there. Yeah, right? No big deal. That was completely unintentional. <laughs> Better be lucky than good, right, Gordon? Uh, sometimes. Uh, Gordo, the Jazz, uh, Friday night, they've had a couple of nights off, a little weekend off for the Utah Jazz. They're back at it tonight against Chicago. But they beat the Raptors on Friday night, 115-112. to 112. They didn't smoke the Raptors like oh. we saw them uh, beating teams by 20, 30 points uh, during their hot streak in the first half of the year. But I thought a much, much better performance from the Utah Jazz Friday night. Yes, and uh, yeah, and that was a game they easily could have lost. You know, uh, I, 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 in fact, I, I kind of thought they were going to lose that game. 
but uh, they didn't, and they showed uh, they showed a little something. And boy, I, didn't you notice a little more bounce in their step in that game? Considering you would expect them to be a little tired, I think they were embarrassed about their performance against Washington. Hmm. Kind of one of those. I don't. I don't know if you want to call it rock bottom or whatever. Uh, but I think you know you lose a game like that to a team like that. It probably gets the attention. Um, uh, of the player, I mean, it, it, it. I sound like a broken record, Gordon, but it it does. It comes down to defense for me, and that's effort and energy and want to, yeah. and try hard. And uh, it was better. It wasn't perfect against Toronto. Not that there's ever perfection in that, you know, from that standpoint. But it was, it was, it was so much better, so much better. So, a- answer uh, answer my question then about uh, Donovan Mitchell. What that I asked Gordy. What do you think about that? When when Donovan uh, tries to take over games, sometimes Jake, sometimes it really seems to be to the Jazz's benefit, and sometimes it seems like it, it interrupts the normal flow. What what what's your, what are your thoughts on that? So I think that's a great topic, Gordon. Uh, I'm I'm glad you brought that up, and I I certainly have some thoughts on it. Um, did you hear it was? Oh, I think it was Mike Conley's post game against Toronto. I think it was Mike who brought it up. Or it might have been Donovan himself who brought it up. I can't remember. Not that it matters. But they uh, talked about a conversation that Mike and Donovan had in the fourth quarter where Mike was saying, hey, it's, it's your time. It's your time to go out there and make it happen. And that's Donovan's role on this team as their best offensive player. You know, sometimes, Gordon, we talk about this often, the NBA games boil down to my best player against your best defender. Happens all the time. Because defenses are really good, and sometimes it breaks down. And Donovan is that guy for the Utah Jazz. Now, Donovan has had this running post-game, I don't know if you want to call it a gag or what, but talking about hero ball, Mm -hmm. and it stems from uh, uh, an online conversation involving uh, Tony Jones and your guy Andy Larson at the Trib, where Andy was talking about Donovan playing hero ball, and he's kind of latched onto it. He's mentioned it in every post-game for like the last three or four games. And he laughed about it after Toronto because he, he said that he had told Derek Gardunio, the uh, PR guy for the Jazz, that he was going to bring it up at least twice. And he kind of had a, a laugh at it exchange with Eric Walden from the Trib. So anyway, my long-winded way of saying that is his role on the team. Now, the key is, though, when he chooses to do it. Because the truth still remains that the, this team, if they are going to be extraordinary, the whole team has to do it. They're not just built around Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. So it's the difference between, and I know LeBron's injury, injured, and that's too bad, and we can talk about that later, but, you know, those LeBron-Cav teams, it was LeBron, right? He had, to, he had to carry the team to a victory, and that is what took them to the finals. Donovan is not LeBron. And so if the Jazz want to be a title contender, it has to be the team. And, and the team playing well on both sides of the basketball. But when it comes down to quote-unquote hero ball, in the fourth quarter, that's what you want Donovan doing. He's the best offensive player. He's the best offensive option. And there are few defenders in this league that can truly stop him. So, so explain, it's all timing explain, to me. Okay, so explain the difference as far as significance goes in the fourth quarter versus the other quarters. In other words, I guess what I'm asking is for an explanation why it's important for him to do that in the fourth quarter but not the other ones. If – if it's so important to get the team all involved. Okay, it's important because in the fourth quarter, if he has to do it, that means they're in the game. And to be in the game, the team has to play well. 
For example, how many did Donovan have against Washington? 42? 42, was it? And how'd they do against Washington? Not as well as they had hoped. They lost. They lost badly. The whole team has to, well, I shouldn't say the whole team has to contribute. But, he, he, you know, the Jazz have to play well as a team for them to win. But isn't that true for the fourth quarter, too? But that's the point. The team has to get them to the fourth quarter. Well, what about why can't they power straight on through the fourth quarter? Why? Because sometimes it just doesn't work that way because the other team makes it more difficult for you. I mean, uh, to, to make a football analogy for you, why is this team so good between the 20s but can't score in the, in the red zone? Because it gets different when it comes down to crunch time. It's harder when it comes down to crunch time. Teams want it more. Defenses are better. Things break down. Okay. Uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. But it seems like if the team, <laughs> if the team is being effective, uh, shouldn't they be able to do that straight through to the end? I know what you say, that the defenses get tougher and, and whatnot, but still, if you can do it earlier, why can't you do it later? I don't know how to more clearly explain it than that. That that it's all dependent on the defense playing harder? That's a big part of it, yeah. And other guys are covered, and the team figures you out, and the team the other team adjusts. So at that point, then it's got to be hero ball. Sometimes, if that's what the all. situation calls for. I mean, if if the uh, other team is not stopping the Jazz at all, then that probably means the Jazz are up by twenty. Right. Okay, but you see what I'm saying, though, Jake. It's not like I'm asking some sort of bizarre question. I think here. if Donovan took thirty shots a game and scored forty points a game, I think the Jazz would not even be a playoff team. They have to have the rest of the crew do it. I mean, look at the Wizards. Look no further than the Wizards. Bradley Beal is leading the league in scoring by far, and that team stinks. Yeah, but that's because the other players aren't all that good. Oh, well, I mean, if Donovan took 30 shots a night, it wouldn't matter how good the other team would be <laughs> or the other players on the team would be. So, I mean... I think I think Donovan needs to pick and choose his moments, and I think at times he's really good at that. Against Toronto, yeah. he's really he was really good at that. That's a good point because it's important for the star player to read his team and know when they need him to do his thing and get it beyond, right beyond just sharing the ball. Right. Um, so. It's Donovan is a bit of a puzzle to me. I mean, you look at that game against the Raptors. He's 0 of 9 from 3. 8 of 20 from the floor. Scores the 31 points, but he gets to the free throw line 16 times and makes 15 of them. You know? So, I, you know, there's a real freaking frack to those numbers. So? And and overall, he was a minus two in the plus minus. Right, but in the fourth quarter, he won the game for his team. Right. <laughs> so what's the yeah. what's the frickin' the frack? See, see, because I'm I'm talking about to the numbers that I read you. Uh, I know. That, I, I I'm I, I'm not sure. I'm I'm asking for clarification. Then he goes over from three in nine attempts. That's not good. 
And 8 of 20 overall, not all that good. But he finished strong, and he got to the free throw line, which was really big. Who cares what he shoots if he goes to the line 16 times and if he wins you know, the, team for, or the game for his team? One thing about that, uh, the, the shots attempted and the shots made, um, you know those games that, like, Michael Jordan gets all that credit for the flu game and whatnot and some of the other games. I think he was 15 of 39 in those games, or 35, 15 of 35. So it is, you know, Locke has that thing uh, where he says field goal percentage really isn't uh, is a misleading. I don't think it's misleading if you include both the two points and the three-point percentages. Which would be a different stat altogether called effective field goal percentage. Right. Right, but it's still percentages if you took those two and put them together. So, I mean, but Donovan, 0 of 9 from 3, and yet he finds a way to help his team win. I, I just, I, I've always wondered that, and I understand that in a star-driven league like the NBA, you see the LeBrons and the Kobe's take over games at the end. But that, that, that just seems like it's a real balancing act. Uh, between including all the players and, uh, and and having the star do his thing, because it, 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 well, I I understand what you said that the defense intensifies, but if the defense intensifies, I mean, shouldn't the the other team be able to put its act together and continue on with uh, efficiency and effectiveness, uh, not just the one star, but all the players. I don't know. Why doesn't the best team in the league go undefeated every game? No, but I, the, the, I'm looking at two different things here, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out why that's the way it is. I mean, if, if, if you look at the Jazz's, uh, you know, starters, uh, can can maybe Bogdanovich is a bad example, but can't he, if he's hot during the game, can't he be hot in the fourth quarter? If Mike Conley is hot in the game, can't he be hot in the fourth quarter? And not just leave it uh, in Donovan Mitchell's lap? Yes. And if Rudy Gobert is, you know, <laughs> effective going to the basket in the first three quarters, can't he be that in the fourth? So why do you have to leave it up to Donovan Mitchell to take over the game? Sometimes things don't go perfectly. <laughs> Sometimes players make shots in the second quarter, but not in the fourth. Sometimes defenses leave a player in the second quarter, but not in the fourth. I guess the danger in doing that, though, is what happens if Donovan can't deliver in the fourth quarter? Then are you screwed? Well, it depends. Does he take all of the shots? Well, you know what I'm saying, Jake. He I'm takes not, a lot of them. I, I know he does, and he made a lot of them against Toronto when they won. Right, and what happens so, when he misses them? Then they lose. I don't know. It's a make or miss league, Gordon, to steal one of your lines. I mean, maybe they were playing against diff- a different lineup in the second quarter than the fourth quarter. Maybe a player d- tried harder in the fourth than the second. I, I mean, there's so many things that go into it. I just don't understand the connective tissue like – well, if you can't do it, uh, if you can do it against Washington or do it against Toronto, why can't you do it against Washington? I, you know, it's a different that's night. It's different that's, circumstances. That's, that's, that's different. not what I'm saying. I'm saying that in the same game, I know if it's working, saying. if it's working in the first, I, I don't understand your frustration at my question. If it works for the over the first three quarters, then why wouldn't you emphasize it working over the fourth quarter as opposed to okay, now it's Donovan's time and hand him the ball. 
I <laughs> there's no answer to your question, Gordon, because I don't I don't know if it's a really great question. I mean, because games evolve, because every team plays their best players down the stretch. All right, never mind. I mean, I think it's a legitimate question, and you're just swatting it aside like Austin's it's nothing. Listening. What 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 am I missing? Uh, I think we're I think we're all at times wondering the same question, Gordon. And I don't think there's a real good answer from anybody because it just kind of ebbs and flows, right? The game just kind of rolls like a river. <laughs> because the fourth quarter is not the second quarter. Correct. Things are different in each minute of every game, I suppose. And every every week of every season, things are different. Yeah. I, I've just never looked at it. I don't think a- there's a science to it. I think it's just if you have enough talent to withstand the ebbs and the flows, you end up on top at the end of the year. Is that, does that, is that too simplified? I don't know. <laughs> Am I getting Garth Brooksy on you? <laughs> you know, basketball's like a river, ever changing as it flows. Sometimes it's just winning time. Oh, my gosh. All right. <laughs> Stay tuned. The subject, please. Market update next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. A man we passed just tried to stare me down. And when I looked at you, you looked at the ground. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 Zone. Time for a market update brought to you by TryDayTrading.com. Now anybody can be a day trader. Go to TryDayTrading.com. How do we uh, do today, Gordo? Good news across the board in the markets. The S&P was up 27 plus points. I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy. It hurts. The NASDAQ was up 162 points. I'm too sexy for your party. Too sexy for your party. Too sexy. It hurts. The Dow was up uh, 103 points today. I miss go dancing. It's so sexy. It hurts. <laughs> wow. It hurts. <laughs> what was that? Austin, has the mad scientist been busy in his laboratory lately? Is that what that was? No, that's, that's, that's several years old. <laughs> I wanted to fit in the part about you do your little turn on the catwalk, but... <laughs> when would Gordon have said it. catwalk? He did. No. Who was that band? Right said Fred. That's that the right? one. Yeah. <laughs> right said Fred. I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy it hurts. I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy it hurts. I'm too sexy for your party. No way. I'm Miss Go Dancing. I'm the model. You know what I mean. And I do my little turn on the catwalk. Yeah, I'm the catwalk on the catwalk. Yeah, I do my little turn on the catwalk. I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy. It hurts. <laughs> I have no idea what that was all about. Or that was that three days out. of my life putting that together. You know what that really reminds me of? Just how bad a song that was. What a terrible song. How did, how did that become popular? 
In what wing of pop culture did somebody hear that and go, you know what? That's a hit. <laughs> I mean, I love the, the Gordon interpretation for sure. But it, you listen to those lyrics and you go, wow, this is <laughs> atrocious. This is really bad. Yes. And, and then we wonder, Kyle, why didn't Wright Said Fred have another hit? <laughs> I mean, they were the Rolling Stones of their generation. How did they only have, I mean, with musical talent like that? What was that, early good, 90s? Good question. Bad, bad uh, era for, for pop music. I'm just impressed that you could pull that band name. Uh, Wright Said Fred. Well, it's, rem- it's memorable because of how bad. You know, it's like, it's like one of those things. Like, why does anybody know the word Chernobyl? Because it went terribly. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. But why Wright said Fred? What do you mean? Well, I mean, it's just like, what? where'd they come up with that name? Is it is it Wright said Fred? Or is it Wright said Fred? I don't know. I don't know. Me neither. I wonder what happens to all these bands that have, like, one hit like that, and then they just disappear. Is that enough money to live on for the rest of their lives? Probably. Depending on what lifestyle, type of lifestyle they wanted. But isn't that what yeah. that uh, stupid Hugh Grant movie is all about? Music and lyrics? No, not that one. Oh. There's another one? The one where he's just some rich guy who's making a living <laughs> off one Christmas song he wrote. That's not music and lyrics? I thought it, no, it's, uh, it's about, a, about a boy. Oh, about a boy. Mm-hmm. Well, you've seen one all. Hugh Grant. You've seen, you've seen them, all. them all. That's true. <laughs> but I think that one in particular, he's this, like, no, not a care in the world kind of rich guy who doesn't work. And it's because he wrote some Christmas. Or no, it wasn't even him. It was like his dad wrote some Christmas song back in the 40s or something. And he's just living the dream. Wasn't he supposed to be the next Cary Grant or something? And something went horribly wrong along the way. Well, he, his last he name did. is also Grant. Yeah, that's true. But I remember reading an article, someone projecting that he would, you know, that that's the kind of character he would play. But then he got into that. I thought he was going to be the next Hugh Laurie. <laughs> nice. He didn't, he have a, nice. He, didn't he have a problem with uh, some off-screen incident? Hugh? Yeah. Are you talking about? He was addicted the, to Vicodin, wasn't he? Uh, no, I think he's or talking about. Hugh Laurie. He always talking about the Divine Brown thing, uh, and the right. reason he got uh, divorced from uh, Elizabeth Hurley. And of course, Chester goes that direction. No, I just think that, that interrupted his career. I thought he focused on wanting to be a, a pro am uh, golfer. Just he stepped did? away from the camera for a little while to focus on that. I've never heard that. <laughs> Me either. I just all made all that up. Oh. I always thought Jimmy Butler was going to be the next Gerard Butler. Ah. <laughs> I read it in the Hollywood Reporter. I read an article about it. Right, look, I read it in the Hollywood Reporter. They said that that uh, that he was going to be the next Cary Grant. And and so uh, that's why, for some reason, that, that stayed with me. But I thought uh, Bob Newhart was going to be the next Paul Newman. <laughs> I don't think that <laughs> those two didn't have a lot in common. I just read it somewhere. I read a thing uh, <laughs> back in the day that uh, Alex Smith was going to be the next Akili Smith. That wasn't all that accurate, though. No. Say Alex was better. 
Although he did have an Achilles problem. Did he? Alex Smith? Yeah. Didn't his whole leg almost get chopped off yeah, a couple years ago? I don't know. His Achilles was fine. Well, it's the whole leg. Oh. <laughs> Hey, that's something to laugh at, man. Yeah, serious. not funny. No, I'm laughing at the uh, Hugh Grant can be. Wasn't he supposed to be the next Cary Grant? Hugh Grant's that's made what a, he, that's, that's what it said. No, what the you, next Cary Elvis. But Hugh's made a fine living. Well, you don't think he's he's lived up to the the Cary Grant standards? No. What, no. what are you talking no. about? Oh, Hugh Grant's no Cary Grant. Give me a break. He's better. <laughs> I've seen oh. Notting Hill. No way. Oh well, Cary Grant died with a uh, net worth of sixty million, and Hugh is currently worth one hundred and fifty million. Hey, yeah, but you, wait, whoa, yeah, well, hold on here. You gotta, you gotta adjust that for inflation. No, I don't have to do anything. This is I'm, I'm, well, we do 60, have to do something. Let's 60, get to manic as we are way over 60 here. Sixty million back in the fifties, and you know that that'd be at least what uh, Hugh's I'll worth. Have to take your word for it. I wasn't there. Coming up next, Chris Mannix. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.